Praise the Lord for the Messiah. Take your Bible, turn over to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, uh, we're going to begin in verse 26 today. Last Sunday we kicked off our series, Season's Greetings. It's a Christmas series and uh, early on in the Gospels there are a number of times in which mankind is greeted by angelic beings. And these greetings accompany the coming of the Messiah, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Last week we began by addressing and dealing with Zacharias, the priest, and how Gabriel, the angel, met with him there in the temple and reminded him and told him, not so much reminded, but told him that he was going to have a son, that he and his wife, who were really of age and her womb was barren, would ultimately have a child. And sure enough, they did. And that child's name would be John, John the Baptist. We talked about how he'd be the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we considered the idea that uh, the Old Testament ended in the book of Malachi with a prophecy about John the Baptist, and uh, basically Elijah, who John was in the, came in the spirit of, and that he would ultimately set the path or prepare the way for the Messiah. And we know that the real emphasis uh, that, uh, of that meeting was Jesus. It wasn't really so much about John in the end, it was about John's purpose and his, his place in the coming of the Messiah. And so season's greetings, as we noted last week, is all about Jesus Christ, really. And uh, today, we want to consider another season's greeting. We're going to talk about the angel who appeared to Mary. So in Luke chapter 1, beginning verse 26, we're going to begin reading, and we're going to see that Gabriel also comes to Mary and gives her a bit of information that I'm sure at the very moment when she received it was a little bit hard. And even moving on into the future, she found it to be a challenge, to say the least. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of the, his kingdom there shall be no end. And said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. 
Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold, my cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. The angel departed from her. Father, we come to you and we ask, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. May you, Father, help us to glean truth that will encourage us and help us along life's journey. I thank you, Father, for just the wonderful, wonderful news that Christ came. And Lord, here early on in the book of Luke, we are reminded that there were people just like us living in that day. Some were hoping to actually be around when the Messiah came. Others had totally and completely lost sight of him. But Lord, this particular day, you sent your angel Gabriel to tell Mary about the coming Messiah and that she would bear him. Thank you, Father, for her faithfulness to you, that she was a vessel that could be used. And thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus Christ, who you sent on our behalf. Now bless our service and may you be glorified in it all because when it's all said and done, Lord, it's all about you and your son, Jesus Christ. It's not about the characters necessarily that we read about so much as it is about you and your plan of redemption and how Jesus Christ paid it all. Bless us now, we need you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Elizabeth had been pregnant for five months, according to verse 24. And then we read in verse 26 that the angel says, and the passage starts off, and in the sixth month. What the passage is pointing out is that Elizabeth now has been pregnant for six months. And now the angel Gabriel is going to go to Mary. The angel Gabriel is on another mission now. It was six months ago that he had, at least six months ago, that he had told Zacharias that, guess what? Your wife Elizabeth is going to have a child. She may be barren and she may be beyond childbearing years and you may be an old man, but let me tell you something. You're going to have a child and that child's name is going to be John. And now Gabriel finds himself in Nazareth. And there again, he's going to deliver a message. And that message is to Mary. Both Mary and Joseph were rather insignificant. They were very poor. It wasn't like their name was known necessarily throughout the city. It's likely that Nazareth was about 15,000 people at that time. And it's a good chance that the majority, if not <laughs> the majority of all, did not even know who they were necessarily. For sure, Mary, there she was, just a young girl. There she was, a very poor. But she was betrothed to Joseph. And she was a virgin, the Bible tells us. Very important news. 
This was more than a mere engagement like today, because we think about being engaged. We're going to get married, and it's a little bit different. Matter of fact, it's a lot different. As a matter of fact, the, it's, it's a solemn and a very binding contract equal to marriage itself. So when the Bible talks about her being betrothed to Joseph, it was saying, listen, there is a legal document, there is a legal transaction that has taken place, and she is just as good as married already. Gabriel meets with Mary and points out that she is highly favored he goes on later in the passage to once again remind that she's found favor in the eyes of God. And that's an important thing. To find favor, the Bible talks about, is to, be, is to literally be endued with grace. We're going to see that now all of a sudden as we move from that Old Testament to the New Testament, that grace becomes the, 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 the pinnacle, that it is now the focus point. But not only do we find Mary now finding favor with God or endued with grace, but now we're going to see that Jesus Christ is coming who is going to introduce grace to uh, both Gentile and Jew alike. We know that grace existed, but now we're going to be in what's called and considered the dispensation of grace where salvation is by grace through faith and nothing else. And what a wonderful truth that is. So thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. But the angel Gabriel now meets up with Mary and says, Blessed art thou among women. Well, I'll tell you what, we think back and we consider Mary and we, we, we would think, wow, what a privilege that is. What an opportunity to literally bear the Christ child, to have a, a baby that is literally God incarnate. And boy, it seems like it would be an exciting time. But we can't even wrap our minds around what she was going to have to deal with. In our day and age, I mean, it's nothing for girls that are out of wedlock to get pregnant. As a matter of fact, you better embrace them or you're a bad person. In those days, it wasn't like that. In those days, it was considered sin. It was looked upon as sin. And your name was drugged through the dirt, if you will, and your family was humiliated let me tell you something, Mary is now getting news that she's going to have a child and she's never known a man and she hasn't entered into that relationship to that degree yet it hasn't been consummated and yet there's a child involved. Let me tell you what, I got to believe that young girl was probably thinking, wow, this is going to be a tough ride. But the angel assures her, listen, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. Mary's not sure where in the world all this is going at this point early on in the conversation with the angel. All she knows is he's there and I found favor with God and that's all good and well. But what's going to happen and what's taking place in verse 31 through 33? He says, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. You're going to conceive. You're going to have a son. You're going to call his name Jesus. Hmm. He shall be great, he goes on to tell her, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, of his kingdom there shall be no end. You know, as we look at that, those statements that were given by the angel, we're going to note that there were three statements in the beginning, and there are three at the end of that whole paragraph, if you will, a couple of verses. The first three are going to take place at Jesus' first coming. The last three are going to take place when he returns again. Again, we're seeing a prophecy here. 
Gabriel's telling her, listen, I want you to understand that you are going to be a fulfillment of prophecy, but yet it has yet to be fulfilled. I'm telling you now what's going to happen, and I'm telling you what's going to happen now and what's going to happen into the future. But as surprising as this announcement had been to Mary, I'm sure it was long foretold by the prophets. Take your Bible, look over at Isaiah chapter 9 again. Isaiah chapter 9, verses nine, uh, 6 through nine, 7, excuse me. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Mary may have been surprised this day, and again, how much she was aware of what was transpiring or going to take place, uh, we could debate that. However, what we do know is that the prophets had already foretold this day. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Again, the prophet Isaiah is making it clear that there's coming a child. And that child is going to be none other than God himself. And that he's going to ultimately have a kingdom and a government. And it'll be uh, marked by peace. And that it will have no end. And the king will sit upon the throne of David, the child who is the king. And his kingdom will, will be ordered. And his kingdom will be established. And judgment and justice will reign supreme. And he, the Lord, will perform this. But there was a problem, right? Mary's got a problem. How could she bring forth a son when she was unmarried. How's that going to happen? And I wonder if at some point when she begins to question Gabriel, and again, there's a difference. Remember Zacharias, he questioned the angel, and the angel was like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? I am at the throne of God. I know what I'm talking about. You're questioning what I'm telling you when you're questioning God. Is your faith that weak? Mary is not asking from a position of weak faith. She's asking from a position of faith. And she's just saying, listen, how's this going to happen? I'm not telling you don't, it's not going to happen. I'm asking you, how is it going to happen? And I think about that time, i got to wonder if she didn't, if her mind didn't snap back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. i got to wonder if she doesn't remember how the rabbis and how the priests had said that the Messiah is going to come and that a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. i got to wonder if she didn't remind herself, oh, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I wonder if Mary didn't think of that as she even just, as the question exited her mouth, as she finalized the question, if it didn't ring in her ears slightly. So that was it, maybe, she thought. But the practical question of how still remained unanswered. How's that going to happen? I understand it was prophesied. I know it's supposed to happen, maybe, but how? And we see the plan in verse 35. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35. 
And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. As far as the conception, Mary, it's going to have to be a miracle. See, Jesus would have a human mother, but no human father, and that had to happen. See, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, and Eve, the Bible tells us, was deceived, but Adam, on the other hand, willfully disobeyed. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 2.14, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Sin therefore passed onto every generation. We have Adam in that garden who sinned, and as a result, sin was passed through his seed to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. Mary, we cannot use a human instrument. It's going to have to be a supernatural conception. Because if indeed you introduce a human being, a normal man, then therefore there'll be sin in the seed, and the Messiah would not only have a physical human body, but also a deprived and sinful heart. So it's going to have to be a conception, Mary, but it's going to be supernatural. As a matter of fact, Mary, we're going to show you here, it, it, it's going to be the Lord. He's going to do a supernatural thing. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. That human body was necessary for redemption, by the way. In order to redeem fallen man, a man had to die. A man had to pay the price. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Therefore, the fact is, is that someone had to die. But it couldn't be God dying without a human body. It had to be man dying for man. And therefore, God came and became all man. In Hebrews 2.14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death. That is the devil. Jesus Christ took on literally human flesh. He became all man and was all God simultaneously. In Romans 5, 17, the Bible says, if by, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. If this man... Adam sinned and brought death. This man, Jesus, lives a sinless, perfect life and ultimately pays the ultimate price by dying and spending and, and allowing himself to be broken on behalf of mankind so that they could enjoy the righteousness and live forever. Therefore, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. He said, listen, it's got to happen. Mary, I know it's confusing and I know it doesn't make a lot of sense right now. How in the world are you going to conceive a child? Well, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. He's going to make sure this happens. It, it, he says, the, 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 the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. It's going to be a supernatural conception. It'll be like nothing that's ever taken place or happened before or will happen again. It's not necessary. It's not needful once it's taken place once. And again, this work is no problem at all for God. 
God invented the genetic code. God created the universe. The details might be very difficult for us to wrap our finite minds around, but the reality is that God is quite capable and able to provide a child in the womb of a human. You say, the proof. Show me the proof. Verse 36, Mary has given some proof. Just in case she starts to go, whoa, I don't know, this sounds... Woo, kind of wild, and it is. Gabriel, now in verse 36, says, Behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. She's six months pregnant, Mary. Think about that. She had a dead womb, and it has sprung to life. She is past childbearing years, and yet her womb has life. See, Jesus Christ brought life, and Jesus Christ is life. And the fact is, is that he can bring life wherever he chooses, with or without man's help. The very God who created the whole process says it's not going to be that difficult to bypass one piece of it. Because I created it all in the beginning anyway. So we see the plan. We noted the proof. But then in verse 37, we note the power. Gabriel reminds Mary a very important principle here. One that we've led up to to this point. Notice in verse 37, For with God, Gabriel says, nothing shall be impossible. I mean, Gabriel of all people knew, if you will. He stood in the presence of God. He saw God's wisdom, experienced his love, recognized the power of God manifest in so many ways. The God who could create literally billions of galaxies, mold mankind, keep the universe in balance, can do whatever he chooses, whatever he wills. We live in a society that tells us there is no God. That God does not exist. He is the figment of mankind's imagination. And yet the angel Gabriel goes to Mary and says, Listen, Mary, I want you to know there's a God in heaven that has recognized your character and you have found favor with God and he's going to place a child in your womb and supernaturally give you that baby. And that baby is going to be none other than Jesus Christ. Can I tell you the very God that placed that child in the womb of Mary that day is the very God that exists in your presence and mine and lives today and is seated in heaven. We can go ahead and question God's reality and we can say that he doesn't exist, but it doesn't change the fact that he created all beings and all things. He is alive today. He is real. So hard to imagine. Sometimes as we think in our minds, the existence of God, as we try to comprehend where did he come from? Yes, that's hard to, we can't figure that out, nor will we ever understand that. But I know That a number of years ago, as I stood around a hospital bed, and I watched my wife deliver my children, and I saw that firsthand, I said to myself, wow, there's something 
about it. That isn't just happening. That isn't the, uh, a process of coincidence or chance. That could not possibly be evolution that brings forth that child out of that, ba- that mother's belly. I thought, man, it wasn't there and now it is and here it is. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Have you ever seen that happen? You'd say, uh-uh, that doesn't just happen. There has to be somebody involved that made it happen. And God sends Gabriel and says, Mary, you're going to bear the Christ child. Man, I'm all about Mary. I think Mary, I mean, she sets a standard of, of character and, 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 and just unbelievable human qualities and traits that we ought to emulate. But it wasn't about Mary. It wasn't about the angel Gabriel. When it was all said and done, it was about none other than Jesus himself. Because see, without God or with God, nothing's impossible. But can I tell you, if God didn't intercede, if God didn't do it, it wouldn't have gotten done. And you know, Mary gave in immediately. It's it's wonderful, isn't it? We see her literally saying in verse 38, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, I don't know what this is going to mean in the end. I don't know how my family's going to respond. I don't know what's going to happen with my betrothed husband. I don't know how the community's going to treat me. I don't know where I'm going to end up in the midst of it all, but I know this is of you, and I'm willing to be submitted to your will. I'm giving myself to you. I'm presenting myself to you a living sacrifice. And she did. She brought forth Jesus. We know. Season's greetings. The angel shows up and says to Mary, Welcome to Christmas. Because that's what Christmas is really all about. This idea that Christmas is about toys and presents. And that's a wonderful thing at times. And it can be exciting to give presents, receive presents and all. But that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about those children singing about Jesus. Christmas is about those two and three and four and fives last week standing up front and telling us a story about Jesus in song. It's about our families recognizing and acknowledging that something happened 2,000 years ago that was totally and completely prophesied (laughs) But it wasn't understood at the time. Even his own people killed him and said, crucify him. But let me tell you, he rose again. If you're here today and you don't know this Jesus that Gabriel told Mary about, that he said she would conceive and bring forth a son named Jesus, if you don't know him, let me tell you something, you need to get to know him. And it's not complicated. It is not hard to do that. The creator, the God of the universe... The God you've been told does not exist loves you so much that he literally sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to pay for your sin. He literally allowed himself to become human flesh. He bore your sin in his own body on the tree that you being dead to sin might become the righteousness of God in him. He said, I'm telling you what, I'll take your sin and I'll give you my righteousness. 
But you've got to accept what I did for you on the cross as payment for your sin. You've got to allow me to take, or you've got to allow yourself to take that sacrifice and apply it to your life. I wonder today, do you know who Jesus is? Really know who he is? He's not just a little baby. He grew up. He was a man, sinless and perfect. And he died for you to pay for your sin. You understand what he did for you. I wouldn't do that for you. I'd like to say and believe that I'm a good person, but I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't do it for you. And maybe there's somebody in the room who says, I'd do it. Eh, it's easy to say that until you're the one that has to go get on that cross. Until you're the one that has to get your beard ripped out. Until you're the one that gets crown of thorns on your head. the one that's totally, completely humiliated being walked through the streets naked. I mean, it's easy to talk that stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. I already know in my heart, I, don't, I couldn't have done what he did. But I know what he did for me, and I know what he did for you. You say, I'm nothing. Hey, guess what? You're exactly what he's looking for. Somebody says, oh, I don't need him. Well, you ain't going to find him then. But I'm telling you, you do need him. We all need him. Gabriel, Mary. We'll talk a little bit about Joseph next week, but the fact is, is all of that, it's not what it's all about. What it's really about is Jesus Christ and that cross right there that he died on to pay for your sin. If you don't know the Lord Jesus today, you need to get to know him. And you know how you do that? By calling upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. One, we, know we, we have to know we're sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You say, I know I'm a sinner. Well, you're in good company because we're all sinners. You got to know it, but not just know that I'm a sinner, but know that you deserve the punishment that God says you deserve to be cast into a place called the lake of fire because of your sin, because he is so holy and righteous that he cannot look upon sin, that the fact is, is that he owes you nothing but hell. To realize that although he loves you so much that he's willing to give himself on your behalf, that he owes you nothing but punishment for your sin. And you say, oh, no, I know who I am. I know what I'm all about, and it ain't nothing good, and I know that I deserve to go to hell. Can I tell you, friend, you are setting up real good for this thing we call salvation. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you and I, who recognize our sin, who realize that we deserve the punishment that he says we do, because we are unrighteous and unholy, We come to him and we bow humbly and say, oh God, I, I don't deserve heaven and I don't deserve a relationship with you, but I want one. Forgive me, save me and come into my life. Be my savior. Allow what you did for me on the cross to be payment for my sin. Take that blood that you shed and apply it to my life and my account. Wash my sin away. You don't have to say all those things, but all you need to do is let him know that you agree with God that you're a sinner and deserve the punishment, that he indeed, you know he paid the price and only he can pay it, and that you want to receive and accept that payment. 
And you do that by asking him to apply it to your life and come into your life, be your savior. This is church. This is what we're supposed to talk about. And in this room, the majority of you would say, oh yeah, I got that one handled. And I pray and hope that you do. But maybe you don't today. Mary's a wonderful person. But the story isn't about her. The real story is about Jesus. What have you done with Christ? Will you receive him today if you haven't already? And if you're a child of God, will you share him with others who are in need in this holiday season, this Christmas season? Take some of those tracks back there that talk about our Christmas program in two weeks from today and invite them to come out for Christmas service. Let's show Jesus we believe. Let's fill this place up for his glory. Let's give another person an opportunity to hear the message that transformed and changed our lives. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. And Lord, we are a needy people today. And Father, we uh, thank you for just the faithfulness of your servant, Mary. For her character and so many wonderful qualities that she possessed. A, a character that ultimately found favor with you. And Lord, that's amazing to think about. Thank you for the grace that you've bestowed upon her and the grace that you've given to all mankind. Help us, Father, to receive and accept Jesus as our Savior if we haven't already, but if we have, help us to be willing to share that grace and the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Today, Lord, in our crowd, there might be those that have yet to ask Jesus to forgive them, save them, and come into their life. Oh, they know about Jesus. They've heard the story even, but they've never recognized themselves as the sinner that God, you say they are. They've never realized how much they deserve to be separated from you because of their sin. But today they say, I, I want to settle this. I know I need Jesus or I am, I'm never going to get to heaven. I'm never going to have the kind of relationship I need with him that I want. And Father, I pray, Lord, for the believer today that they would come maybe and say, Lord, I'm going to pass out so many tracts. I'm going to invite some people to these services. I'm going to start sharing with others the good news that I've received. And I thank you for the grace that I've experienced and I want others to experience it too. Let's make our lives, Lord, help us to make our lives about Jesus. We'll thank you and we'll praise you in Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head.